This sermon was recorded at Highway Mountain View in Mountain View, California. If you'd like to find out more about Highway Community, you can head to www.highway.org. We gather this morning because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And without it, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here. And without it, if Jesus had remained in the grave, his followers would have just scattered off into the milieu of first century Palestine and just faced the brutal realities of first century Israel without a Messiah. But Jesus' three-year ministry, which would have been just a grease spot in human history if he had not risen again, but because of that, a new community formed. There was a new people that rose up, and it was a new people that was shaped by the power and the hope of his resurrection. It wasn't defined by it wasn't defined by political power. It wasn't defined by human authority, but it was defined by God's grace and the power that can raise people from the dead. And so Jesus gathered his followers and he said this, he says, will you follow me here? And now follow me there. I'm within you. And now I wanna reach out to all the world through you. And the birth and growth of a people defined by Christ's life and indwelt with the spirit was chronicled by Luke in the book of, of Acts. And there we see that Jesus, the first missionary who traveled from heaven to earth to save us all, he invites us all to become a missionary. Now, I may have lost you at that point <laughs> because you have no conception and have no desire really to be a missionary, at least in the way that you might conceive of it. Being a Christian is all well and good, but becoming a missionary, well, that's a level that I, I, I didn't sign up for. I've always admired people who do that sort of thing. I'm more than happy to support it financially, but I don't have any plans to become one. Well, that's true. But, you know, as we look at the scriptures, there is something that is so plainly throughout the scriptures that we just don't see. And it's this. It's, it's what God has called us to. In the first service, when I started my message, I didn't realize that my notes were double-backed, that they were duplex. That wasn't my intention. And so when I went from page one, I could only find page three. And so I'm like, I see, I see it, but I'm not seeing it. Finally, Julie Peterson yells out, there's something written on the back. And that's what I needed at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> so that I could see that I wasn't going to just preach every other page of this <laughs> sermon this morning, right? But there's some, oftentimes we're like that. It's like we're looking at something, but we just don't see it. And when we look at the scriptures, we love to see the love of the Lord Jesus. We love to see the sacrifice that he's made for us. We love to see the benefits that have come on our behalf because of his incredible sacrifice for us. So we see that, see that, see that. But we, we often don't have eyes to see what goes along with that. Because just as we, we have received this grace, we are not a cul-de-sac. It doesn't stop with us. It channels, it channels through us. And that's essentially what it means to be a missionary. And so missionary comes from a term apostolos, and that means sent one. And there is actually an office in the church, the apostolic office 
uh, that people like Paul filled. And there are people today with, with an, what we call an apostolic ministry, where they oversee a variety of things. And they aren't oftentimes just focused on one particular work. And, you know, it's true that there's, there's not a lot of apostles among us. Um, but yet, in that sense of that term of being on a mission, and it's Christ's mission, and we are Aries, we are the ones who adopt that mission and live through it, that is throughout Scripture. Jesus said, go make disciples. And that wasn't directed just to the first disciples who became apostles. That is for us. And so formed by Christ's life, it means that we are formed into this missionary heart. The Lord Jesus was with the Father in heaven, and because of his love, he came on a mission to this earth. And that mission was to offer his life, a perfect life, in order to die for us, an innocent death, and then to offer that in exchange for, for our lives. It's the most beautiful story that has ever been told, and it wouldn't have happened unless the Lord Jesus had chosen to be a missionary, to come here and to do this, this work. So this morning, my hope is that you will see this, that you will see as you look at the scriptures and look at the passages this morning, that this is in fact for you. Even though it was written, uh, it was written to a particular time and place and to people in that moment, it's intended for us to adopt, to become God's missionary. And as a missionary, we need to think about our mission field. All right, so thus far in this series, which is in fact called The Missionary, We've reflected on Jesus as a king with a kingdom, but Jesus is a very different kind of king than an earthly human king, and he's a very, it's a very different kind of kingdom that he rules over. Christ's commission to his followers as missionaries, it ref, what, what we are called to do reflects this different kind of king and this different kind of kingdom. Jesus is the humble, compassionate, sacrificial king. In 1 Corinthians 3.18, it says, We who with unveiled faces are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. And so there is this, this transformation, this journey of transformation that we are on. God never intended to offer uh, Christ's love to us and have us just immerse ourselves in that and not go anywhere else with that. That is just the start. For the rest of our lives, we're trying to understand what that means and what the implications are uh, for the life that we need to be living. And so we go on this journey, and that journey is we are placing ourselves into the image of Jesus Christ. And so if you ever wonder how to live your life, I mean, there's lots of ideas today. There's lots of different philosophies and lots of different approaches. But if you really want to see how a human being is supposed to live their life, look at Jesus Christ. Read the scriptures. Look at how he spoke with people. Look at what he focused upon. How did he treat people? What was the manner of his life? We form ourselves into that. And one of the things we see of Jesus Christ is he was, in fact, a missionary, and he reigned over a kingdom that overturns the world's values. And it reflects this humble, compassionate, sacrificial nature. It's in his kingdom. It's not the wealthy and the influential who are given that Place. That is, that is a, the worldly conception of power and authority. But we see in this kingdom, it's people in the margins 
that are invited in. It's those who are lowly that are lifted up. The first are last and the last first. And Jesus simultaneously, he lowers the bar and he raises it at the same time. He says, everyone's welcome to this. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've come from. Honestly, none of that matters. But here's what you're invited to. You're invited to forming your life in Christ's life. And that's a high bar. That's, that will always be an incomplete process in our lives. But that's the direction uh, that we need to go. That's the direction that we're called uh, to go. And the book of Acts is a very helpful book for us uh, to understand this bridge from when the disciples knew Jesus as this Messiah and people are responding to him, but then somehow the Roman authorities put him to death and they didn't understand that immediately. But how that relates now to their life as it begins to be rolled out in the book of Acts as, as missionaries. This is their responsibility now. So the book of Acts is a very unique book in the New Testament. It's a bridge book. Uh, it's really the only bridge book we have. So we have four gospels, and then the rest of the New Testament is mainly epistles and letters. Um, most of those are written by the apostle Paul. And so Acts is a bridge, and it spans it spans the life of Christ, and so in the Gospels, we see Christ's life, and then it spans to what does a Christian life look like, which is literally Christian means little Christ, and so we are trying to behave, we're trying to follow after uh, the Lord Jesus. In the Gospels, we are Christ's audience, but in, in, the, in, in Acts, the followers of Jesus, now they're put on the stage, so we're not spectators anymore. Uh, in the Gospels, Jesus offered his life, and in Acts, he offers his power. Uh, Acts begins abruptly, it ends abruptly, and it's a sign to us that this whole thing is unfinished. It keeps going on. If you've read through the book of, if you've read through the book of Acts and gotten to chapter 28, it's the most abrupt ending you can imagine. It's like, what? And it's almost as if the way it was written, and maybe this was the intention, is that, all right, now you start writing some chapters in this story. Now it's time for you to be involved with this incredible truth that transforms lives and transforms this world. But as we look at Acts, as we begin, we're going to look at chapter 1 this morning, we see that the first Christians were really not, they weren't ready for prime time. They weren't ready to be the missionaries that Christ had called them to be. And so there needs to be a time of preparation. And so Acts begins with a time of setting aside the disciples. He spends time with them in order to prepare these disciples uh, that now have made it through to the other side of the resurrection. It's a time for them to begin to understand and to assume this responsibility that they have. And so we know that after the crucifixion, the disciples were, felt, thought that they were done, right? I mean, they thought this was over. And so they killed Jesus. We really had our hopes on this guy. I mean, he did amazing things. He taught with authority, unlike other teachers who are always referring to different, no, Jesus just said it. It came from him. I mean, there were so many unique aspects of that. They were so confused when he offered himself, essentially, to be crucified by the Romans. Um, and so they did not expect anything to be happening at that point. They're packing their bags, and they're getting ready to figure out what to do next. And remember that Jesus referred to his followers as, you know, you of little faith. He said that all the time. And they just really struggled to understand the meaning 
of, of, of what Jesus was saying and what he was doing. But his resurrection did change that. Uh, and it changed all of that at the end of that amazing weekend. And now they're energized by the resurrection. And we're going to see that they're, they'll truly be energized by the Holy Spirit, that he is going to explain to them the Holy Spirit that you've heard about in the Old Testament that came upon David, that came upon Samson, and so forth. No, now that same spirit is going to dwell in you, and that will be the key for them to fully understand what it is that God is doing. But it also will provide the power source, the wisdom, the ability to actually serve the Lord Jesus. And so Jesus needs to give them instruction on these things. And so between the resurrection and his ascension, and so there were um, 40 days, right? So Jesus died and rose again on that third day. And then there's 40 days, and that's 40 days of instruction, and he's teaching them. And he's, he's, he's basically connecting the dots. He said these things before. Now, on the other side of the resurrection, now you, they can begin to see it. And he's trying to help them understand what is this kingdom and we'll see that they don't understand. They still aligned the kingdom with Israel. They thought that that was the kingdom of God. And Jesus is going to show, show them something that is different. And he clears up the mystery of the Holy Spirit, and, and he sets their course uh, for ministry. And so Jesus now is promising to be with them even after he leaves. He's not going to be around. But he's helping them believe the fact that it will still be enough, the equipping of the Holy Spirit. And then they went and turned the, the world upside down for Christ. And so let's look at, let's look at Acts chapter 1. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And after his suffering, he showed himself to these men, and he gave them convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. So this is, this is their instruction. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave uh, them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus' curriculum, it centered around three basic truths. The reality of the resurrection, you know, here's the marks on my body. Here I am alive with you on the shores of Galilee. He's, he's eating fish and so forth and show, beginning to show them what a glorified body is like. And he's also teaching on the nature of the kingdom and he's teaching on the equipping that they'll receive from the Holy Spirit. As it begins, the former book that uh, Mark, that, that Luke refers to as he, starts act, as he starts Acts is actually the gospel of Mark. And Theophilus was a friend or a person that he was trying to convince or trying to help that person understand who Jesus was and what he had done, and, and basically writes this historical book, uh, the book of Acts. And so Theophilus, the friend of God, is what it means. And, and so he was a recipient, but it was, he knew it was intended for all of us, not just Theophilus. And so Luke's gospel, it chronicled Jesus' teaching and the miracles that he did, um, uh, to the day that he ascended, and then uh, all of that is described briefly at the very end of, of the book. 
But now Luke is going to go back, and this is really essentially him filling in that time, right? So this is the stuff that happened well, after Jesus resurre was re resurrected and, after, and before he was ascended into, into heaven. And so he's clarifying things. He's giving them convincing proofs. He's walking with the disciples on the way to Emmaus, Luke chapter 24. And uh, he, they don't see him. They don't recognize him until he breaks bread. Uh, he's showing them the marks on his body. Um, and he's, he's just basically opening their eyes. They must be convinced. They must be convinced that Jesus is alive before instruction on the kingdom is going to make any sense at all. I mean, if their king is dead, then there's no point in trying to serve that king or live out the, the, the mandate of that king. Um, and so Jesus establishes that, and then he tells them to stay right where they are. He says, I want you to stay in Jerusalem. And I think they hated that, actually. <laughs> you just think about it. You know, you're, you're all settled, and you're finally accepting the worst thing that could happen, and then you find out that the best thing has happened. I mean, how exhilarating would that have been for these disciples who followed around after Jesus during that time to find out that their hope of all hopes was actually true? This, this, this is the Messiah. This is God's Son. This is a per He is set apart from everything before and after. And this is the one that they were called to follow. And it turns out he wasn't a charlatan, charlatan. He wasn't a fraud. He really was who he claimed to be. And so just the, the excitement of that, it would have given them, I mean, they would have wanted to do something with that. Let's go out and tell everybody that Jesus is alive. But he said, hold on. <laughs> and, and you've got to wait. And you've got to wait. And he said, you have to wait for a gift, which just made it worse, right? It's like, oh, okay. He's going to give us a gift. I really wonder what that gift is going to be. They don't really understand it. And so not only do they have to stay in Jerusalem, but they're, they're not going to get their gift right away. Right? But this was important. This was an important part of the preparation for them because waiting and watching were part of their missionary training. And if you've ever had to wait for something, I think all of us have had to wait for something that we desperately desire. We, know how, we all know how hard it is to wait. And not only that, to wait well. And so waiting in the way that Jesus is like, you need to wait and watch. And so waiting isn't just sitting around, you know, tapping your foot, waiting for this to happen. This is like you're watching, you're, you're, you're watching, you're moving yourself toward this, but you're still waiting. You're in a posture uh, to, to just wait until it, it happens. And waiting isn't just the thing that we do until something or some stuff happens. Waiting and watching by faith is the active process that as we become the, the person. It's actually part of the process of us getting this, the internal stuff, the maturity, the ability to actually really receive what the Lord has for us. And through waiting, we learn to trust God. Through watching, we learn hope. And, uh, and as much as we dislike it, it produces maturity and the ability to endure, and the disciples needed both of these desperately as they went forward. And not only would Christ's followers have to wait, they also needed to learn how to receive. Learn how to receive. And Jesus pointed out that they would be baptized with this gift that he was giving. And be baptized is not an active idea. It's not an imperative. Be baptized. Be baptized is they, he says, you are going to be baptized. It's a passive idea. This is something that is going to happen to you. And so they needed to open their hands. 
They needed to wait and watch with a posture of receiving, that beautiful image that we end our services with in the benediction. It's just the idea of, Lord, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to receive whatever it is you have for me. This is where Jesus was trying to establish them. Um, and he instructed his believers to wait and to receive, to actually, in a sense, be passive, even though waiting is active. Um, but this was their preparation to receive uh, the, the missionary mantle. So now they're ready. And so Jesus, he gave instruction for 40 days, then he ascended to heaven, then he left them about a week and a half before the Spirit fell. And we see in Acts chapter 2 that they were gathered in one place. They were gathered in an, in an upper room somewhere in Jerusalem when the Spirit fell in tongues of fire and lit upon these disciples, and then they went out into the streets of Jerusalem and literally turned the world on its head. But in order for that to take place. They needed to wait. They needed to watch. They needed to receive. They needed to prepare themselves through what we would understand as spiritual practices. These are practices that create, that, that form Christ in us. We talk about formation a lot. This is it. Formation is spiritual and formation is, is missional. There is a spiritual formation as the reality of Christ and the growth of Christ and the understanding of Christ and all those things grow within us, and then that is released in, in mission. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is necessary for this, and it wasn't, a select, it, it wasn't for a select group of believers. It wasn't just for some folks. Uh, and today there's a lot of misunderstanding about baptism of the Spirit and filling of the Spirit, but the baptism of the Spirit, it seals a person into the family of God. You are now part of the body of Christ. That is a one-time thing. And so that Spirit came upon them and baptized them into Christ's body. Now the Holy Spirit dwelt in them. And as they went up and down through their life with Christ as we do, there would be many fillings of that Spirit. Uh, which is a reflection of our, of our you know, brokenness and our human spirit. But the Sp Holy Spirit never leaves. We are sealed with the Spirit of God, and it is that Spirit of God that is the equipping that we need in order to be missionaries and to fulfill this mission that we're called to. So all of it comes by grace. This Christ's personal presence directing our lives um, when the resurrection becomes the operating principle in our lives. In other words, when we look at the resurrection and say, okay, Jesus is alive, now what? Not just like, Jesus is alive, oh good, <laughs> this is great. I've got that checked off. I, I mean, I'm not going to worry too much when that time comes for me to leave this earth physically because I know that, well, no, the thing about this as an operating principle is that it has an impact on who we are now, the decisions we make, and the activities that we're involved in. That's the life of a missionary. In John 14, 26, Jesus promised this. He said, but the counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's amazing. So the Spirit will give them direction. The Spirit will remind them. They can stand and deliver because of the Spirit inside of them reminding of this, and that's the power that Jesus leaves in them and will work through them. Now, Jesus is preparing them. We get the idea, we just get a little glimpse of sort of the rabbinic life at the first part of Acts, where a teacher will make statements and, and then he'll allow his, his pupils, his followers, to his disciples to ask questions 
And it's, it's a way of helping you know, to see whether or not they actually understand it and to work through their issues. And so after presenting this teaching, uh, he encouraged them to ask questions. And the one question they asked revealed the fact that they just they weren't quite there. In Acts 1, 6, and 7, it says, so when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Right? So they're, they're still stuck in this kingdom idea that it's, that it's Israel, that the Messiah would come and deal with Israel's enemies and place it above all the other nations of the earth. That was the Jewish dream, right? Um, and so is this the time, right? You're resurrected, you're alive, and so now are you going to do it? But then in verse 7, he just says, well, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his, by his own authority, right? And, um, <laughs> you know, basically, I mean, it's kind of like you guys should need to drop that, all right? So that, that is not the proper application of what you're seeing and experiencing here right now. They're interested in this resurrection of the nation. And Jesus revealed the kingdom. It's just not confined to Israel. But they didn't have any sense at this point that non-Jews were going to be a part of this whole thing. That came later. That's in Acts. Uh, the passage in Acts chapter 10, when the sheet comes down and Peter has this vision and, you know, the angel says, kill and eat, you know, like he can start eating unclean foods and so forth. All of those stories were unpacking for them the fact that the, the gospel is going to everyone. And so it goes to Jews and to Gentiles, but they are not quite there yet. So he just gently rebukes them. And uh, their commission was not political. Get rid of the political ideas. Our commission today is not political. It's not harnessing political power in order to somehow create the kingdom of God in this earth. The kingdom of God is really defined by wherever you are wherever I am. The kingdom of God is where there is a subject who is submitting oneself to the king. And as there are more and more people that do that, the, the kingdom of God is being expanded. But it's not about harnessing uh, raw political power in order to make this happen. Uh, kingdom of God is not defined by the nation. In fact, he's going to send them as missionaries, and he's going to send them all over the world. So this was their preparation, wait and watch in a posture of receiving. And so to, to serve God's mission as God's missionary, this is what we're called to as well. This is what forms our hearts. And you know, as we drive around uh, the Bay Area or we re listen to the news or, you know, we just hear about something that is happening in this messed up world of ours, the sin, the corruption, the abuse, the heartache, dishonesty and inequality, all these things that don't reflect the, the Jesus's kingdom, the kingdom of God, you know, there are often times where, you know, we may feel very strongly that it's time to rise up and to do something. Like, I got to do something about that, which I think is a very good impulse, because we're, we're, our impulse there is, is a response to where we, we are actually understanding what Jesus is getting at here. This is truth. This is the way the world should be. It's reflected in the kingdom of God. Here is the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in you. But, it's, but preparation is necessary. Oftentimes, if we just jump out and try to do something about, you know, some kind of a social need, or even in someone's life that we see, uh, we can find ourselves very frustrated by that because we're not ready and they're not ready. And so there's preparation that needs to happen, a, a missionary heart, requires development. Now, here's a little excursus here. 
So this is why at Highway we have these formation workshops. And you hear about them. You're going to hear more about one that's coming up uh, October 15th, uh, Tuesdays, 7 to 9. And it's called Care for the Poor. And, so, and this is, this is, a, this is a, a workshop that is, that is designed to help us develop a missionary heart and to actually refine it. It's to, it's to, it's to think and to see and to test uh, different desires that we have and missions that we may want to take on, or just to form our heart in a way that we can do these things effectively. It explores what it means to imitate um, in heart and action the humble, compassionate, sacrificial king who elevates and loves the lonely. And you'll get an understanding of the scriptural mandate for working with the poor, and then the practical guidelines of working with vulnerable, with vulnerable people. And the scriptures have over 2,000 verses that talk about our responsibility to the poor. And so this is a very important workshop, and it's one for every Christian uh, to, to, to be aware of in terms of the of responsibility um, to those who are the, the dispossessed. And so that formation of our heart into Christ's heart, it does take time. It takes attention. It doesn't mean that we're inactive now. It doesn't mean that we're on some missionary training that's going to go on for years. But there needs to be this, this parallel process where we're constantly preparing. We're waiting, we're watching, and we're ready to receive, and we're preparing, allowing ourselves to be prepared for whatever mission the Lord has for us. All right, so that's the workshop. You'll hear more about that next week. So that's the preparation to become a missionary. But every missionary needs a focus. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8 uh, is really, uh, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a passage that talks about that focus, the parish. So we talked about preparation for a missionary. Now the parish, like what's the direction? What's, what, are, what, you know, what, are the, what are the boundaries geographically or something in terms of where we are going to focus? In Acts 1 8 it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Right? And so Jesus, after their time of preparation, he ascends to heaven. And so these, this, this 40 days of preparation is done. And then when the Spirit falls, they're together in one place, and the Spirit falls, and they go out into the streets and they, just, and they begin to serve as missionaries. At that point, their preparation was complete for what the Lord was giving them to do. But the question for us, and the question that Jesus is answering here is, where has God placed us as his person? In other words, if we understand that we are temples of the Holy Spirit, um, then, and, and if we understand ourselves as priests, because 1 Peter 2 talks about a priesthood of believers. We're all priests. And so in a sense, we're all, we're all priests with a, with a parish, and we're, in fact, we're a temple, and a temple is a place for worship and for, and for service. And so the question is, if the Lord has placed this temple somewhere, well then, what is the responsibility? And if I'm a priest, and maybe I'm the only person on my floor, in my neighborhood that I know of, the families there, that is a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, well, Jesus puts us in places strategically. I mean, the, the right question is like, Lord, what do you have for me here? Usually we just sort of, oh, well, we don't even talk about our faith. We don't even tell people that we're believers. This afternoon, um, we, have a, we, have a, we have a neighborhood party in my neighborhood. And fortunately, I live right next door to this great Christian named David Haley, who is one of our pastors. And so we decided to put together 
you know, just a block party. And these are relationships that Diane and I have made over a long period of time, but there's a lot of new families. Indian families are coming into our neighborhood in mass, and they want to come over and be with us today. And so I don't plan to pull my notes out and start preaching a sermon, but I am, I am thinking and praying right now. It's like, Lord, okay, wh what, what? What, what, am I, what am I supposed to do? What are you preparing for? I know that they are, are very devoted uh, Hindus in terms of their religion and their faith and, and, their, and their culture. But yet, but yet the Lord has placed the Haley's and the Smiths in this neighborhood in Sunnyvale. And it's like, so what, what is, the, the right question is, Lord, what do you want us to do? And we need to be preparing through prayer. Um, we need to be preparing through, through just being interested as we are in their lives and even in their religion. But it'll be interesting to see where that goes. That's the posture of a missionary. That's a posture of feeling like I'm here for a reason. And, and I am one of the few Christians in Silicon Valley, and so are you. And so wherever the Lord is placing you, whether it's your, the group you work with at Google or, or it's your neighborhood, or it could be that your family is truly your mission field, what will you accept as your parish? Do I have a responsibility to that? Or when I meet with these folks today, do I just sort of look for the food that I want to eat and talk to somebody that I find interesting and then say, thanks for coming over? That's the thing. The New Testament, it encourages us to be meta. It encourages us to look into these things. We are the ones who know the Lord Jesus. We are the ones who have been changed, transformed by his love. And this is a love that, that every person would benefit from. And so knowing that, how do we look into the situations in our lives and the places that God puts us? Do we live with the sense of destiny? Right? Like, no, this is, this is important. I'm not just flying low here. It doesn't really matter that I'm there. No, it's that if, if you are a follower of Jesus, well, then you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And so what's your parish? What's the direction of it? Your parish can't be everywhere, can't be everything. And it might actually be that your parish becomes a country uh, overseas. It may be that you become the way that we understand missionaries to be uh, more classically of those who go out and to another, to another culture. Um, but what, what, what are you sitting with? What are you living with? And if you go to this class next month, you will, you will be able to sit with that whole question and try to understand, Lord, what is it that you have, you have called me to do? And so when Jesus ascended up into heaven, he looked down as he's going up in this cloud and he says, men of Galilee, why are you looking up here? You need to get busy. <laughs> you need to look out there right? And so this is laid out for you, and, and you have the honor and the privilege of representing me and this mission that I accepted. Now you're on that mission. You're a mission airy. What are, we, what are we doing with it? What are we doing with it? Now we know that from church history, as we wind down here, that the gospel exploded in Palestine. So when those, when those first Christians hit the street, and, and God gave them the ability to speak in tongues they didn't know. And it was just an amazing scene where God just began to draw these people. I mean, it went from there. And it, it really began to turn the world on its head, which created a bit of a mess. Um, the dynamism of the early church, it upset the powers that be. 
Um, and in response, many Christians were killed. They were, they were sealed. Their, their, their witness was sealed by their blood. Um, and so this term, this Greek term for witnesses, which is martyres, um, it became, be translated martyrs. And so a witness is someone who is martyred, and that was true for many of the early Christians. Um, many were drawn to faith as a result by, by their uh, amazing, calm, joyous death, which doesn't sound real exciting. I hope you won't think that, you know, when I'm asking you to be a missionary that that's what you're being called to. I don't know anybody who actually has lost their life in a, a literal sense because of their faith. But I'll say this, in another sense, all of us are called to lose our lives. All of us are called to be crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in me, the life I live now in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Galatians 2.20. Jesus said, whoever doesn't carry their cross, which is the symbol of responsibility, of sacrifice, and of death, and follow me, Right? So there is this death to self and alive to Christ. Well, if that's not your attitude, then you cannot be my disciple. And a Christian who literally lost their life, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was implicated in a plot to kill Hitler in World War II and was eventually put to death because of that, in a book he wrote called The Cost of Discipleship, which I would recommend to everyone, he said this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. When Christ calls a person, a man or a woman, he bids each one of us to come and, and in some sense die. We die to our dreams that are held art apart from God. We die to any vision that would not align itself with this mission that we're called to. And so we come and die. When we take communion, this is what we're coming back to again, right? This is why communion and the Lord's table, it's, a very, it's a really a very somber time. It's a very, it's a very worshipful time because our reflection is on the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. But with that reflection, uh, our, 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 our thoughts need to be about our sacrifice for the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came to die so that others may live. What do we need to die to in order for others to live in the light and the love and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? As we take communion now, I invite you to reflect on that. This is the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. This is the meaning of his mission. Are we willing to take on his mission and be his missionary? And so let's pray together. We invite you to come on the sides and then to go down the middle, just traffic control. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, I pray that I pray that our call to be missionaries is as plain as a nose on our face. God, we often don't see it. We're just super busy. We're busy with our careers and our families. We're busy building the life that, in terms of the way that we thought life should go for us. But Father, we struggle. We struggle to place our desires and our hopes and our dreams. We, we struggle to place them into that heart of love that the Lord Jesus has for them and allow him to take those and to fulfill them in ways that we could never even imagine. Father, may we offer ourselves, our bodies, our hearts, our lives to the Lord Jesus. And Father, may we willingly go where he 
leads us to go. May we live with the awareness that he has placed us everywhere, like we're the priest, and there's something for us to do there. May we live into that as well. Father, fill us and guide us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.